Hi there, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Compliant with Alliant, bringing you insights into employee benefits compliance. I'm Christine Blanco, Director of Compliance here at Alliant Employee Benefits, and Diana Craig is with me. Hello, everyone. Also a compliance attorney here, and we are going to talk to you a little bit today about something we're calling fertility HRAs. Um, we're seeing a, a good, and we, we've already talked in a, in a previous podcast about what we call these sort of supplemental benefits, tack-on benefits, um, sort of, you know, benefits to enhance your plan. There's a lot of vendors in this space right now, and we've gone through some uh, compliance issues with those, and we want to speak today specifically to these fertility HRAs that we're seeing in Fairmount. Um, a lot of times focused in certain industries, um, but we're seeing them enough that we wanted to have a conversation with you today about them. So that, Diana, do we want to? Well, I just wanted to just chime in really quickly and say, um, we always want to be careful when we see, let's say five, 10, 15 or more new vendors jump into the group health plan space with what they are ostensibly offering as a new product. And I think the problem we see there is a lot of them don't realize they're jumping into a really highly regulated space. That's right, and we've seen this quite frankly a lot over the past couple of years, during COVID, a little bit prior to COVID, and you know we have sort of a curmudgeon-y you know, statement here. There's really nothing new under the sun in some, in, in some ways in compliance in terms of, we haven't yet seen somebody figure out a wormhole, you know, that, that you know is is new in terms of a lot of these compliance mandates and so it is to diana's point when you're going from like a healthcare space even to an employer space um there is you know additional hoops and hurdles that the vendors just may not be familiar with and so it's our job you know or we see it as our job to kind of make sure hey when we're putting something in for our clients um we need to make sure they understand that part of the process as well. Well, and it's mostly through good intentions. Employers want to provide something new or better or great, but you really can't provide something new, better, or great um, without the rules still continuing to apply. And the good news is, you know, lest we become, you know, totally the wet blankets in the room, there are usually some pretty easy fixes on or some design choices that you can make that avoids some of these pitfalls. And so, you know, with the, in an, in an effort not to bury the lead, we're gonna talk through some of these compliance issues today, and there's a host of them, but there's an easy fix from um, you know a design perspective. Should we not bury the lead on that and just tell people? <laughs> That's right, so now that I said we're not gonna bury the lead, I'm burying the lead. So essentially, you know, on this fertility HRA, if you offer it exclusively to those folks enrolled in your in your group health plan, your medical plan, you're done. There well, you go. Yeah, and, and should we just dive in? I can start with you go. the... Um, I guess just the elephant in the room is how does the Affordable Care Act affect health reimbursement arrangements or HRAs? Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, it was the end of the standalone HRA because the ACA had all of these market reforms that had to be included in your group health plan mm -hmm. and an HRA is a group health plan. Um, and even more so, it is a self-funded group health plan. So how we solved for the fact that HRAs could not comply with the ACA market reforms just alone on their own was through integration. And integration means you are tying that HRA to another compliant major medical plan. So it, it seemed pretty straightforward. You are going to offer this HRA only to individuals who are enrolled in and covered by your group health plan. I 
Okay, well, it. then yeah. the IRS yeah. <laughs> did the thing it always does, which they're trying to give you yeah. flexibility, yeah. <laughs> but it just it's, it's completely, it's purported flexibility that is completely impractical. They came out and said, well, gosh, maybe you could also integrate your HRA with another employer's group health plan. So um, I've got a host of little problems I'm going to run through, and I promise I'm not going to belabor them all. But the first thing is that if you are trying to integrate your HRA with another employer's group health plan, you are looking at doing real-time claim substantiation to ensure that other group health plan coverage is still in force when that uh, employee's spouse is trying to get that claim from the HRA reimbursed. So you have to constantly be substantiating that other coverage. So maybe you could do that, okay? So you're gonna find a vendor who tells you, yeah, we can do it, we've got a system. Here's where it gets really, really messy. So we all know that HRAs are subject to COBRA. So uh, we are obligated to offer the HRA coverage to the employee and anyone covered under the HRA, which can include a spouse, but we have to then maintain that integration requirement. Mm -hmm. So what happens if the spouse loses that other group health plan coverage, they may or may not elect COBRA, they may be pick an individual plan. There's a lot of stuff that's outside of our control and we can't stop offering COBRA or losing that other group health plan coverage doesn't end our COBRA obligation. And you know, this isn't unique to fertility HRAs. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk just really quickly about why this is more prevalent with fertility HRAs? No, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, uh, thanks for putting me on the spot. I don't know. Is it just because of the nature of the way the spouses use the benefit? Yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. So when we look at a normal HRA, we've always worried about, well, is the spouse still covered? Do we have what we call mushrooming COBRA liability? And a lot of times what we're talking about in an HRA is just deductibles and an out-of-pocket cost for the, the, the employee. But almost, yeah, to Diana's point, there's much, much higher spousal utilization and, and it's a COBRA problem without a, a real solution. Uh, yeah, there's just no solution and this isn't a $20 copay. I mean, we're looking right. at- significant dollars. Huge amounts of dollars and a benefit that uniquely taps spouses mm -hmm. because this is, this is a shared issue that both parties generally want to resolve and we want to have that coverage for them. We just can't make it work for COBRA. But again, if we are tying that fertility HRA to only those, whether it's the employee and the spouse, they have to be covered by your group health plan. And that's gotta be a conversation that, you know, as an employer, you're willing to have, right? I mean, it's all it's all about how you tee it up to your employees. Hey, good news, right? We have this benefit and not every employer is offering it. Here's how you can access it. And, and it really has to be teed up that way to make it work for you as an employer and to minimize your risks, not only from a compliance standpoint, but financial risks on down the road, so. Well, I, I promise I only have two more um, ACA points I want to make uh -huh. on these, but this is just an indicator of how complex these are and how tricky it is to, to introduce those to your group health plan. And again, I mentioned earlier, this is a self-funded medical plan. That <laughs> triggers what we call MEC reporting. So we know large employers have to do applicable large employer reporting under the ACA. But if you are offering a self-funded medical plan, you also have this minimum essential coverage reporting obligation. And it's, it's not a big deal if it's just people covered under your self-funded plan. But if you have an insured plan, no, you are picking up a significant bit of additional reporting. And it becomes a problem if you're again trying to integrate with another employer's group health plan. 
So it's not insurmountable in this space, but you need to know you're taking this on. And then lastly, and I promise I'm done, um, <laughs> you'll have a PCORI fee obligation. So um, you're gonna pick up a PCORI fee obligation, again, unless you are limiting that to coverage to employees who are also covered by your self-funded major medical plan right. running on the same plan year. Yep. So what am I missing, Chris, taxation? Yep, so um, we'll turn to everyone's favorite topic. Um, that's Those are the ACA issues, which are obviously the most predominant that, along with COBRA. But we'll talk about taxation because, you know, again, an employer can provide uh, tax-favored benefits for medical care, but not all fertility services necessarily um, are, are deemed to be, quote, medical care. So they can't all be provided on a tax-favored basis, which would mean that the dollars spent by the employer are not deductible, and then you would have to impute income to the employee. Um, generally, those procedures need to be for overcoming medical infertility. However, uh, the IRS has kind of muddied those waters, indicating that um, certain medical care expenses that, quote, affect a structure or function of the body, even though they're not specifically related to the mitigation of a medical issue, may be um, tax favored. And so you really um, want to work with your tax advisor sort of on taking a broader view of whatever the tax implications may be and when you may need to impute income. And again, it just gets it gets a little bit messy given the nature of the benefit in a way that, say, a standard HRA um, does not. Also, domestic partners who are not tax dependents under the code, and many are not, uh, cannot receive tax-favored benefits. There's also partners, owners, or other non-employees cannot receive those tax-favored benefits in the same manner that an employee could receive them. That one escapes folks a lot, and you know, then it's sort of the final hour. Um, they find out that, that the avenue for that um, isn't available for those particular employees, and that can be problematic. Um, I think oh, now, wait, uh, do you what want... about uh, health savings accounts? We've got to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, I'm getting to that because I'm looking. We've already covered COBRA and PCORI. Um, and fertility HRAs would also be incompatible coverage for HSA purposes, so they would need to be offered on a post-deductible basis if you also have um, a high-deductible uh, medical plan. And also a note here is as an employer, you really have almost zero obligations as it relates to your HSA. It's an individual account. The one obligation you do have is to not enroll an employee in um, incompatible coverage when you know they're, uh, they have an HSA and they're enrolled in your high deductible plan. And so this is the only circumstance under which you would have an obligation and potentially have some problems if you plop them into both and then you create a tax issue for them. So you gotta be very careful about that. If you have a, an HSA, HDHP, and you wanna offer this fertility HRA, you have to be mindful about the design. Um, some other issues that we wanna make sure, these sort of catch-all issues, um, that in addition to all the ACA issues, again, remember that the HRA is a self-funded medical plan, so if you otherwise don't have a full-scale HIPAA privacy infrastructure, that needs to be in place as well for something like this. Um, technically, you have 105H if you're not already subject to that. And then there's ERISA reporting and disclosure rules. It has to be wrapped, it has to be folded in. And so those are things that are manageable. The, the issues that Diana really spoke to are, are, are more unwieldy, but that are solved by sort of the design tweak of integrating it and only allowing that. Well, I know. And I do think employers really want to be generous in this space. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. 
but it is one of those things where we just want to just just clear that integration hurdle so again it's employees and spouses covered by your major medical right. plan they will tell you you can integrate with another employer's group health plan but boy the devil is in the details and we can't figure out a way to make it work yeah so i think it's messaging right out of the gate how the benefit is offered and um and it's you know we're lucky because it's a pretty easy design solution so with that thanks for your attention thanks for joining us on fertility hras we'll talk to you soon